Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore. Yes, hello and welcome to all our West Australian football fans for today's edition of Around the Waffle. We are hot off the heels of a tense and exciting round five of the 2023 WAFL season. Now, the old saying in business is the show must go on. We've had a late team change. Our regular co-host Taylor Cowper is not in today. Of course, he's uh, been pretty ill over the last 24 hours, so we do wish him all the best. And we hope to see him back here on Thursday to preview round six, but... We have a more than suitable fill-in. Of course, he's one of our fabulous waffle commentators every weekend across the season. I'm talking, of course, about Luke Worthington, who's made the travel back from south of the river in Mandra to join us here today. Luke, welcome. Oh, hello, Paul. And yeah, what a uh, what a trip down to Mandra it was. I've so I've been down there twice now in in three years of commentary for the waffle. I've been down there twice. Easily one of my favorite weekends of the of the season despite the drive going down there it's so much fun such a good view from the commentary box such passionate fans and uh yeah always a good time going down there and and great to see you as well I don't think we've uh, spoken face to face since the since the Resi's grand final last year which was also a great day it certainly was over there at Leaderville Oval. Time flies don't it but uh and so so is this uh this season so far five rounds have gone and already, Luke, we're seeing about six or seven teams that can contend for a spot in the five. Mm-hmm. What a season it's been so far. Yeah, absolutely. So much fun. Three games decided by, what was it, 12 points on on Saturday, other than the other than the one blowout with West Coast, which we can get into later. And then obviously a bit of a bigger margin on Sunday as well. But, you know, that was after Swan Districts got up quite considerably in the early stages of the game. So, yeah. It just keeps happening and happening, and uh, and you had a good game yourself too. We'll get into that in just a little bit. Of course, you can like us on our socials. We've got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us a big thumbs up. We really appreciate it. Now, before we go to our five games, Luke, and of course our player of the year votes, a big story from round five was from the Perth Demons, Jaden Hunter. He's 21 years of age, and it was a great comeback against uh, the West Coast Eagles. He uh, picked up his form in the reserves at the start of the mm. season and then was selected to play against the Eagles, kicked four goals, and w- what a journey it's been, I have to say. Overlooked in the 2020 draft, had a massive ACL injury 13 months ago. He's back fighting fit, and what a story. What a comeback story he fulfilled on the weekend. Yeah, so Jaden Hunter, absolutely the story of the weekend. Um, like you said, really highly rated key defender coming up. He, he rucked a bit at Colts level as well uh, when they when they had that need um, back earlier in his career. Played one game, uh, played a game on tag uh, on marking Logan McDonald rather in the in the twenty twenty All Star game for the for all the draft picks. Um, and you know Logan McDonald's a guy who kicked a goal against Collingwood on Sunday, so. He's, he's coming from pretty good stocks and, and he's played some really good competitive footy. And then, yeah, that ACL rupture in 2021, uh, just devastating. Didn't play a game of footy for 13 months. Came back into the reserves earlier in the season. In three games, he's the leading goal kicker in the reserves. He's 12 goals, two in the Waffle Reserves. The, the next 13 players have played four or five games and he uh, and he still leads the goal kicking. Has less set shots than than a lot of them because he's 12 goals too. So he's not missing. He barely missed on the weekend. And uh, yeah, really good handy one to come back into the side for Perth. 
We'll talk about him more and Perth's game a little bit later on. And uh, it goes to show that, you know, there is always a lot of feel-good stories around the state leagues, particularly here in the Waffle, and it doesn't get a lot mm-hmm. of recognition uh, all around the country. But, you know, mm-hmm. you do love a good comeback story, especially for a young kid that's got still many years of un- untapped potential left. And uh, to see him excel on the field once again, kick four goals against the Eagles, simply fantastic. This is our Round 5 review. Paul Persick and Luke Worthington Thanks to Backchat. You can listen to us on wherever you get your podcasts and on the Backchat YouTube channel. Let's kick it off, Luke, with the game at Revo Fitness Stadium. My golly, at quarter time, many were thinking, okay, East Perth are going to get the job done. But these are the Claremont Tigers. Never write them off, especially at home. What a win by seven points. Yeah, so they absolutely flew out of the gates, East Perth. They they kicked five straight. That's Schumacher goal uh, from 52 metres on the run. He has... One of one of just a special, unique kicking action that I that I love to see. Then that was followed up by Scott Jones, soccer's it out of karate, kicks it out of the air in the ruck and and sends it into the hot spot. Schumacher kicks another one around the body, and then only in time on, essentially in the second term, to Claremont go and score their fourth goal, uh, their first goal, and then Bailey Rogers just completely takes over the game. Him and Jai Bolton. Rogers goes on to kick three. It was his third goal that actually got Claremont in front. And then I don't think they lost it from there. Ben Elliott's goal off the stoppage completely sealing it. East Perth led every quarter except for full time, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the one that the one that mattered. And just a really, really even waffle stat line. Um, I think the difference in tackles and, and disposals and hit outs were were very close, um, especially compared to a few of the other games that ha- that happened over the weekend. Bailey Rogers, just a just a terrific, impactful stat line with nineteen disposals, four marks a tackle, and then and then kicking three goals. And Jai Bolton as well, just contributing to that Rolls Royce of a midfield they have down there at Claremont with thirty two touches, six That's marks, a couple of tackles, few inside fifties, and a goal. So. Not a bad afternoon's no. work from them. No, not at all. Uh, you talked about Jai Bolton. He started in defence mm. and you know mm-hmm. really struggled to blanket that uh, East Perth forward line in that first quarter, but really came to life in that second quarter. 32 touches and six marks goes to show how versatile he can be. For East Perth, I mean, five goals up at quarter time, then only another a seven for the game when Claremont absolutely charged back. They had five mm. less inside 50s. It really boggles the mind to think what went wrong for East Perth in that game because they were in control at quarter time. They used the ball so well. I mean, Mm. Van Diemen, the young kid who's got great potential. Schumacher, like you said, with that big goal from outside 50. Mitch Crowden, who had a great first half. And also Tom North, who finished up with 35 possessions to uh, maintain his strong start Mm. in the season. Yeah, it was uh, a real blip on the radar for East Perth. And mm. I'd expect them to bounce back against South Fremantle. I mean, judging by their start oh, this yeah. season, they are a much better side than what they can deliver in that second half against Claremont. Because you're looking after half time, six goals to nine in that second yeah. half. They fell apart. They fell apart. And I reckon Ross McQueen, the coach of East Perth, will put them through a hard week. Yeah, sh- yeah sure. I-, I-, I guess at some point it's it's... Such is playing the the top team in the competition at the moment. When you're when you're a team that's currently on the fringe of the five, I I think they just got overran by that midfield. Despite such classiness at the beginning of the at the beginning of the game, and it was that experience with with those guys in the Claremont midfield. I mean, you just see the switch flick 
um, after after a couple of those Bailey Rogers goals and and yeah, never really looked like they were going to let them back in it. Um, I mean, it did get close at one point, but I kind of sat there with the feeling that um, that they were definitely going to hold on. But yeah, it was a bit. Yeah. Of, oh, you know, I was. They're a very good team, with... Claremont. So oh, I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't hold too much against Westworth. Obviously, they'll be shattered and and uh, like you said, be put through a hard week at training. They'll be, they'll be absolutely yeah shattered with that. But yeah, uh, they're a team that can bounce back. I think they they really showed what they were made of um, yeah. to to score twelve goals against Claremont as well. Yeah, they certainly were. Of course, they'll have a big game against South Fremantle next uh, this weekend at Leaderville Oval. What about this one? Uh, next game at the WACA ground, really tense throughout. Even though it was a low-scoring game, West Perth and East Fremantle, they've had their fair share of cracking contests over the last three years. West Perth started off strongly, mm. held East Fremantle goalless, and then it was starting to plot along. It wasn't a pretty game at parts, but you know sometimes yeah. you've got to win ugly to get the four points. And the likes of Luke Meadows and Ben Johnson, who are holding strong for the Falcons. In comes Luke English to put the Sharks back into the game with two quick goals. And then that last yeah. quarter was all about who was going to finish off strongly. And it was West Perth, 15-point winners. Yeah, West Perth is the, the reigning premiers. Your team, you would have you would have had some good fun um, calling that game, Paul, I bet. Yeah, um, yeah really slippery footy just... All around, all around Perth on Saturday. A um, little bit more overcast and not so slippery in Mandra on Sunday. So I think that I think a theme of a couple of the games was was that slippery footy and it just being a little bit hard to get going. But you know, Paul, you you were there and you saw it. The, the top team got the got the job done. Well, they needed a big win, especially after the mm. loss to Sugiako. And when you consider that the they reigning premiers are not Black. the top team. Yeah, 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 yeah. reigning premiers of uh, of the competition, and considering they were missing Aaron Black, who's still battling hamstring yep. soreness, but should return in the game against Perth in round six. But uh, I want to praise Luke Meadows. His finishing, the way he got West Perth out of the trough and sealed the game with his class in midfield and an attack. No wonder he's the reigning Simpson medalist from the grand final. I mean, he can get the job done under high pressure, especially when the game is still on the balance at any end of the ground. Just spectacular. But credit to East Fremantle, even though... They lost their way in the final few minutes of that mm. game. They played some really good football in that last quarter. That was the only quarter when East Fremantle really played competitive football. But uh, like East Perth, East Fremantle are a much better side, especially when you have Milan Mur- Milan Murdoch, Luke English seeing a lot of the footy, and also yep. Max Murphy down back. He was also a key in defence. The problem is that they're going to be missing Harrison Marsh because uh, he suffered an injury early in the game and took no further part after quarter time. Sam Rotham, meanwhile, also pulled out with injury. He uh, suffered uh, an injury to his ribs, and uh, he looks likely to uh, not be back until after the state game break. So that could be a blow for both teams heading into next week. What about this one, Luke? Uh, As we mentioned uh, earlier, Jaden Hunter dominated up forward for Perth against the West Coast Eagles. A lot of people are going to be talking about the Eagles' um, waffle side, a lot of questions to be asked about their performance, but... Not mm. a lot of words have been said about Perth. They are a much more competitive side than what people seem to think. Yeah, Paul. I, I obviously was listening to your preview podcast of the weekend um, last week. You said, I think Perth will get it done, just not by 100 points. You are correct. Yeah, it was 97 <laughs> points at the end. But uh, no, we were talking about yeah. uh, as well, James, no, no. four goals. Harry Quartermain joined in the party with four goals as well. And I like the work of Charlie Thompson, Luke, uh, the key midfielder coming over from Victoria. He's, uh, he's showing his flair at waffle level. 
Yeah, absolutely. They they were such a dominant side on on Saturday, and it was it was kind of training drill stuff from from the start. But absolutely not to discredit the the big performances: Regan Clark, Taylor Matthew, Jai Clark. They they all um yeah were absolutely terrific in that game. But the the weekend or the day belonged to uh belonged to um. Yeah, Hunter. Uh, J- yeah, Jaden Hunter. Um, not to not to take away the fact as well that um, that Harry Quartermain also had four goals in that game. So um, yeah, really, really strong showing from them. And yeah, they they just ran over the top of uh, of West Coast. Josh Brown on the other side though for West Coast um, put in a good effort as always. Yeah, Josh Brown, um, he continues to get talked about very highly over there at West Coast. I mean, considering that the AFL side has got a lot of injuries, I reckon he could be one of those players on the future radar for West Coast to maybe get an AFL game. I mean, he uses the ball so well, sees plenty Mm. of it, and contributes a lot of forward entries to the Eagles. Also, Ethan Hansen was also a big positive as well, 26 touches and also nine marks. But, uh, you know, there will always be the inevitable questions about West Coast. But I want to ask a question about Perth. Peter German... First win mm. on the board, big win, and we've seen some competitive showings over the first five weeks. Do you expect Perth to get at least a couple more wins before season's out? Well, let's have a look at who they've got coming up then, Paul. So this weekend they've got West Perth. I'd say no. So zero and one. Then they move on to South Fremantle. Depends how they go over the next couple of weeks. So 50-50 on that one. They then play Claremont at home. I think Claremont will get the job done on them there. And then moving on to Swan Districts, which yeah, not as tough as Claremont, but um, yeah, I, I think maybe one and four might be there. One and three might be their ceiling. One, one and the... three won't be a bad record. It won't be a bad record yeah. though, considering the side that they. No, but that's that's the ceiling. I'm I'm saying which which you know means anything worse than that is zip and four. So. Yeah. It's uh, it's a pretty fine margin <laughs> with those two things. <laughs> nah, it certainly is. I reckon the one against South Fremantle can be a winnable one, especially with what South Fremantle are going through after the yep. salary cap breach, after their proverbial was absolutely shook. But mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be another tough month ahead for Perth to see what they can do. But having said that, it is a long-term rebuild for, for the Demons. Uh, the, you know, Under a new coach, under new playing personnel. So it's going to be a long, long road ahead over there at uh, Mineral Resources Park. Now, we go to our Hopefully fourth game. No, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, we go to our fourth game over at Leaderville Overlook, Subiaco and South Fremantle. While it was hard, it was tight for three quarters, Subiaco, cool heads prevailed. They've got experience. They've got youth that are exuberant side and are ready uh, to contend for a premiership again, especially when you have that deadly ruck of Zach Clark. Again, dominant in the centre, 38 hitouts. Yep, 38 hitouts for Zach Clark. Now, Solomon James didn't actually do too badly um, against you know that AFL ruckman, he, he had forty-one hitouts of his own. He looked he looked all right um, from the from the footage that I saw of that game. But just just a brilliant deadlocked game. Really, I think the effects of the slippery footy that I was talking about earlier really showed in in that game at Leaderville Oval. Like completely deadlocked at the stoppage between both teams early, and those big body. Subiaco midfielders, as well as the presence of Zach Clark in the ruck, allowed them to kind of slide, not slide over the line, but but definitely get the job done um, in in such a tough game like that. Subiaco, 75 tackles in that game. Um, and, you know, South with the late goal, 
to bait to avoid being scoreless in the first term, um, they're they're going to need to be starting a lot stronger against East Perth this yes. Saturday. You would think who came flying out of the gates mm. against Absolutely. Claremont. Absolutely, I mean, especially when you when you look at the final analysis of that game, out tackled by Subiaco by thirty one. That's mm-hmm. how strong Subiaco be around the ball yep. with their tackling presence. And yep. when they come up with sides against uh, against the likes of West Perth and Claremont a second time this season, I reckon mm-hmm. that could fall in Subiaco's favour. They counted West Perth's tackling pres- uh, tackling prowess in their win at Joondala. They did it again the previous week against Claremont. So watch out for that firing midfield. They are a very yep. good tackling side. Really and also good love tough the work. midfield. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I also like the work of Ryan Borchette up forward. Three guys oh, yeah. in a strong yep. burst. The Kalgoorlie native, he's uh, coming into his own uh, out there at full forward. Yeah, they were him and Sokol were both bursting through the 50, taking those leaps. leaps five goals scored between them. So, um, you know, you get the midfield job done, but as soon as it's inside 50, you've, you've got those two big, big bodies to worry about down there. Both Borchette especially, super athletic. Um, so, yeah, ones to watch out. And Subiaco are, uh, are on their way back up to up to a mainstay in the five, I think. Yeah, I'd have to say, I mean, after the season they had last year, uh, you know, a real slip down the ladder, it is good to see that Subiaco, the side that has been mm. dominant over the last decade and a half, back on top. Meanwhile, and- South Fremantle, that they, even though they lost... Still a lot of positives to be taken out of that game. Glenn yeah. Byron and Toby McWilkin down in defence yeah. was just fantastic. But also, it was good to see Matty Parker back, the former Richmond player back in the league side. Yeah, great to see Matty Parker back. Um, played a played a really good game for them on his return. And also, not to take anything away from uh, Archie and Gallucci as well, they they actually, their, their string of goals in a row actually put them in front um, at one point. Of the game, but they they just unfortunately couldn't capitalize. Going back to that um, that chat about the midfield that we were having earlier, the, the game also opened up a lot more in the in the later stages of the game. I reckon at least you know seventy percent of the goals, just completely off the top of my head, didn't write that one down. But about seventy percent of the goals, I reckon, came in the in the last uh, probably thirty five minutes or so of the game. So um, yeah. Lots to look forward to with those teams. Really low scoring contests, but um, one of the one of the good uh, true footy matches of the round. Yeah, real gritty foot, foot, footy it was over there in, in slippery conditions. And of course, the last game of the round. Of course, you were at that one uh, all over it over there at Mid uh, Lane Group Stadium, as you always are with uh, all the waffle matches. Peel Thunder. Easy victors over Swan Districts, but uh, it was a very slow start for the Peel Thunder side. They only just clicked into gear in the second quarter. There's a lot to like about this Thunderside. So much to like about them. That was a really fun game to go to. The the Peel midfield completely overran Swan Districts. Um, Swan Districts ended up moving Toby Watson into the middle to try and slow them down in the late stages of the game. They didn't really work. They were they were trying everything that they could to to try and uh, to try and slow down those Dockers boys. Will Brody was just terrific. Um, really hard Fremantle midfield for for him to get into. So a super elite player to to be playing down in the waffle, who would be you know AFL ready in in a lot of not AFL ready, he's AFL ready, but uh, in the AFL right now in a lot of sides in the competition that don't have such a such a stacked inside midfield like Fremantle. Um, that game was the perfect matchup to for a comeback win 
from Peel Thunder because the Swans are maybe the second best first quarter team in the Waffle and then they're bottom two or three in finishing the game. Peel are the exact opposite. They're terrible in first quarters and and they're the second best finishers in the league. It's exactly what happened. Nice. Swan District started out. Yep. Swan District started out strong, and Peel came and completely ran over the top of them. I don't know where that Swan District side that I saw in the first quarter with my own eyes, who kicked what five in a row, I think it was against against that Peel Thunder midfield and that Peel Thunder defense. Five straight. Yep. I don't know where they went off to after. after such a good performance there, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. And I, I think that might just be the nature of this young side in their first season under this coach. Um, they, you know, they've done it before as well. They led by, nine, I think, 19 points against West Perth earlier in the year in round three. They led by 10 points in round one, lost both of those games. They got ahead of East Fremantle the last time I called one of their games, only by a point. They still managed yeah. to get themselves back in the game and then lose it again. So they're they're an exciting team to watch if you were to if you were to tune into any game for the weekend because it's it's going to be uh, a lot of twists and turns whatever whatever's going on in one of those Swan Districts games. I think they're a bit hard to read this year uh, to be honest because they've got such great players. I mean, when you look at their forward supply, mm-hmm. Jesse Palmer, who's always around the goals, Christopher Jones, who's valuable tall timber. And in the midfield, Jesse Turner, 33 possessions. He continues to see a lot of the footy. Brandon Erseg, who's a massive pillar in defence, he was held very, very well by the Peel Thunder forward line. He Only was, three yeah. marks he was, in yeah. that game. And uh, in the right, Jesse Glass, uh, McClasker and Nathan Blakely outclassed in the uh, in the ruck. Even under Andrew Prune, it's a new coach. They're still in the gelling process, but they should have, have won at least two or three games. I mean, when you look at their win last week, against mm. South Fremantle at Fremantle Oval, they showed their class under pressure. They knew how to get the job done, and they had the players playing their roles in the right areas. It was all over the place after quarter time. So uh, for Swans, yeah. it'll be another tough week for them because they have got Subiaco uh, over at Lee. Uh, my apologies, Claremont over at Steel Blue Oval. I'm going to be at that oh. game, so I'll be keeping my oh. eye on the Swans very closely. Yep. So hopefully, hopefully they can stay consistent. And yeah, they're, I mean, they're an interesting side. They've they've got three players on their field that can that can do rucking duties for them. Glass McCasker, uh, Blakely, and and Chris Jones. They've got they've got three ruck sized players running around. There's so much height um, up and down the ground. They they were using Glass McCasker in the fall pocket, back pocket, back up ruck. Um, so heaps of flexibility. One thing that um, they would benefit from soon. Stating the obvious is Sam Fisher returning back from his hamstring. That's a yes. that's a big bolster to the midfield. Not having Jesse Turner do so much of the heavy lifting in terms of of uh, you know getting the football in the in the midfield and, and getting the clearances. Um, if they can have another um, player of that caliber in there doing that, no, you're absolutely spot on. I think Sam Fisher. He adds a lot of extra pace to that Swan District's midfield. You're absolutely spot on. This is our Round 5 review here on Around the Waffle. Luke Worthington alongside Paul Persick. Thanks to Backchat. You can listen to us on wherever you get your podcast and on the Backchat YouTube channel. Okay, 
Time for the votes. Casting a vote for the Around the Waffle Player of the Year. Of course, at the end of round 20, the player with the most votes will be adjudged the Player of the Year for 2023. One vote goes to Ben Hancock of Peel Thunder. Fantastic from midfield, provided plenty of supply, nine inside 50s, and gets a, a nice round of applause from Werther. I forgot, to, well I forgot to mention him. I, can, I spoke all about Will Brody and completely forgot to mention Ben Hancock. He, he came off with a blood rule. Yes. Um, and then played twice, I think. He, he came back out, had it happen again, came back off, played the rest of the game with tape around his head and uh, and had 33 disposals. So a, a heroic performance from him. No, it was fantastic. I will, I will agree with you on that. Uh, two votes. Harry Quartermain of Perth. Four goals, just outstanding. And, of course, the first demon to pick up votes in 2023. Ryan Borshed of Subiaco. He takes three votes, three goals, especially in that burst in the last quarter. Kept a cool head inside 50 and got the Lions back into the contest. Four votes goes to Luke Meadows of West Perth. Class finish in the final quarter when the game was in the balance. Two vital goals, 24 disposals and six marks. And the around the waffle top gun of round five, the five votes goes to Claremont's Jai Bolton. I mean, his start in defense and moving into the midfield, to keep the Tigers back in the contest was just outstanding. I mean, he ain't a Jules Sandover medalist and a premiership player for nothing. He is all-star Jai Bolton. Yep. A fantastic game. Yeah, absolutely. Him and Rogers, like I said earlier, took over that game completely. Um, such a strong midfield and um, such a strong presence around the ground when when they get going. Uh, it was awesome watching Claremont. That was that was. I think that game was my was my favourite uh, game to watch of the weekend, and then you know the Subi game, like I mentioned earlier, I really like that for the for the defensive battle. That was fantastic. Well done to Jai Bolton, who gets the top gun uh, gong of round five. And we'll go to the leaderboard after five rounds. We have joint leaders after five rounds of footy. Tom North of East Perth and Jai Bolton of Claremont. Then in equal second on five votes each is Milan Murdoch of East Fremantle, Ben Sokol of Subiaco, uh, Shane Nelson of West Perth and Jarvis Pina of Swan Districts. On four is Luke Meadows of West Perth, Zach Clark of Subiaco, Will Brody, Jack Buller and Colton Tholstrup. And then three, Ryan Borchette, Carl Warner and Tyler Keitel on two, Harry Quartermain, Cody Leggett and Jimmy Miller. And on a single vote, Ben Hancock, Chad Pearson and Aiden Clark. That is the leaderboard after five rounds. And that just about takes us out from our round five review edition of Around the Waffle. Luke, a big, big thanks for helping out on, uh, on short notice today. We really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, all the best at Leaderville Oval, the East Perth South Fremantle game. You'll be on the call for that one. That's going to be an absolute beauty. Can't wait to see that one. Um, yeah, really exciting time for both of those teams on the on the edge of the five. Um, congratulations on all that you're doing with Around the Waffle. It was great to be called up today. Had some beach shoes to to fill in from your other co-host Taylor, who I've you know listened to obviously when first time uh, first time caller, long time listener. So um, congrats on what you guys are doing, and it was great to be a part of it. Thank you. Thanks, Luke. Really appreciate it. We wish you all the very best. And we thank you, our listeners and our viewers, for tuning in, as always, to Around the Waffle. Thanks to the guys from Backchat. You can like us on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you could also uh, watch us on the Backchat YouTube channel. Thursday, we have another big show. Hopefully, Taylor Cowper will be returning to preview round six. It's another big round of WAFL action. We look forward to your company then on Around the Waffle. Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore.